It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Dallas Estate Planning and Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen and I, Don Crawford Jr., the co-host of this fine program, welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, endlessly committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. Hello, Michael Cohen. Hey, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, we're still not face-to-face yet, although the rules and restrictions here in Texas and Dallas are abating, and maybe one of these days I'll see you in person. We can do the program the old-fashioned way. What do you think? Yeah, I think we should be doing that pretty soon, uh, hopefully uh, very soon. Uh, yes. Uh, we look forward to getting back to the uh, normal that we had before when we were doing things at the radio station. You know, it's nothing like in person, um, but I'm glad you do the workshops still via Zoom online, and those been, have been very effective, and a lot of people like them, I, you've been telling me, and they enjoy not having to have to leave the house and still getting uh, that outstanding and exceptional education from you regarding estate planning. You know, I think today's new normal is is going to be that. A lot of times we're seeing right now that, you know, it used to be that people would come into the office and, uh, and still a lot of people do. But, uh, you know, a lot of people like the comfort of being at their own home and not having to travel and go out and get dressed and park or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So... You know, this is just going to be the way it is, I suppose, in the, the future. So, But I, I do look forward to seeing you again at the radio station in the near future. Yes, thank you. In the meantime, uh, we'll address that typical and great topic of estate planning today. And Michael's got two slices of life, uh, two individuals that um, should have or could have uh, engaged in efficient and thorough estate planning and uh, we're going to tell one story and then talk about the workshop and then tell the other story. So what's that first story, Mike? And tell us the lessons we need to learn about it. Well, I thought this would be a celebrity day. So we will start off with Marilyn Monroe. And the second part, we might talk about Charles Manson. So two, uh, like you say, two different types of celebrities, uh, yeah. maybe one famous and one maybe infamous. Sure. Uh, but yeah, and not to be com- confused with... Um, um, Marilyn Manson, I might add. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, why are we talking about Marilyn Monroe here? She died in the early 60s, and uh, but we still could learn some lessons from her estate plan, the will that she had, because most of her estate ended up going to somebody that she may not have ever met. Or maybe she met one time, so it probably mm-hmm. wasn't in her intended beneficiary. So yeah, I thought we would start with that because it's a little bit different. Now, okay. Marilyn Monroe only had a three-page will, and you would think that it would be, um, oh, I don't know, uh, it, it, on its face, I suppose, that it looked like it was okay. Uh, so what she did, is, of course, as you may recall, 
Uh, Marilyn Monroe was married three times and divorced three times. Uh, some famous people, uh, in particular, um, Joe DiMaggio, the famous baseball player, Arthur Miller, the famous playwright. Uh, and right before she got divorced from Arthur Miller, I think it was in 1962, uh, she had done a three-page will. Now, mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe never had children, and of course she was um, single at the time that uh, she passed. Uh, of course, uh, we think it was uh, suicide, unfortunately. Um, she had a very, as glamorous as she may have been, she actually had kind of a troubled life. Uh, most people are not aware of all the background that she had. She was when she grew up, her mom had mental illness, and I don't even think she even knew who her real dad was. And the mm-hmm. she was her mom was so had so much problems that she could not take care of her. In fact, she was uh, in and out of foster homes about twelve times, uh, different foster homes. In fact, that was actually the reason why she got married to the first guy. Uh, who wasn't so famous, uh, and because she was about to go into another foster home because the people who were taking care of her uh, were going to move to West Virginia from uh, California. And uh, uh, so she, the mom, had suggested this other neighbor that meet uh, uh, her daughter, and they got married uh, when she turned 16. This is during World War II. Anyway... Um, the, the feeling of abandonment is part of probably some of her problems, and maybe one of the reasons why uh, she took her life. Uh, but and, and actually, is part of what her will might ha- has said, because 20, 25 of the percent of the residue of her estate went to this doc, the psychoanalyst, who was going to give the money to this children to help children who had similar issues. Uh, in but it was in London. The, the the psychoanalysis, I might add, was the daughter of Sigmund Freud. Uh, hmm. the, so it's kind of an interesting uh, scenario there. A lot of famous people's names here. And um, so that was fine. Uh, and maybe she may have wanted more to go that way if she knew what was going to happen. She did have some specific bequest of different uh, dollar amounts to a half-sister and to uh, a, uh, somebody who was a personal secretary. Uh, she did leave some mo- money in trust for her mom who had the mental issues that gave the equivalent, well, at that time, you got to remember this is like 1962, of, uh, she had $100,000. Her estate today would be worth about $10 million, which doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but with the fame that she had, you would think that it would be more. But right. in fact, in effect, it is more because the licensing rights and the public, the, the you know, the rights to her image and things like that, are worth a lot more than what she ever made in her movies. So what happened was, you know, the good thing was she had a trust for her mom and had a certain amount each each year. Let's say it was five thousand dollars a year, which doesn't sound like a lot today of the hundred thousand that she left her. But you got to remember those were nineteen sixty two dollars as opposed to what it is today. So. Uh, she left the money in trust, and that was good. She has mm-hmm. to take X amount out yeah. for her mom. Uh, that was nice and good and dandy. Uh, and the 25% to the uh, psycho, oh, the personal property items went to um, 
her acting coach named Lee hmm. Strasberg. Okay. Lee Strasberg. She, she also left some other to a previous, the wife of a prior acting coach, I might add, too, but that hmm. was a small amount. Okay. Now, it's important to note the, the when I say the personal property, the remember we talked about last week about uh, the difference between tangible and intangible assets. Sure do. So, for example, a tangible asset would include, like, clothing. Right. You say, well, gee, okay, what's clothing? Well, I think that her dress that she wore when she said happy birthday to JFK, when she sang, sang that. She sang it. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she sang, yeah, when she sang that, I think that fetched uh, close to, oh, I think it was close to, was it, it's either five hundred thousand or five million dollars, something oh like that. Wow! It was it was just, so it was substantial, and okay. even her piano. Uh, let's just say it was five hundred thousand sure. uh, for a dress, uh, and even the piano she sang that uh, song to the to JFK. I think sold for sixty thousand to a famous singer today. I can't recall who it was. Uh, bought the piano for sixty thousand. Okay. So Alrighty. So when you say those personal effects. Where most people think of, oh, it's just their stuff. Uh, in this case, her stuff, <laughs> that's yeah. a legal term I might add. It comes straight from Black's Law Dictionary. I'm sure you've heard that legal term. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, uh, is much more valuable because of who she was. In fact, um, you know, sure. she's one of the more famous actresses of all time mm-hmm. uh, because of her image. Um, anyway, and that gets into another thing, the image well, we'll talk about that in just a second. Mm-hmm. 75% of the residue of her estate went to the acting coach, Lee Strasberg. Uh, by the way, Lee Strasberg is the one who introduced uh, her to uh, Sigmund Freud's daughter uh, because she he thought that by going to the psychoanalyst uh, that um, uh, it would make her a better actress. Uh, but she did have all these different problems uh, from being going from uh, the abandonment as a child mm-hmm. uh, that haunted her till the day she passed, apparently. Well, anyway, um, so 75% of the estate went to Lee Strasberg, the acting coach that she had, who was a very famous acting coach, I might add. Mm-hmm. And she was close to Lee and his uh, first wife. But his first wife died. Um, and so when he when she left everything to him, uh, she probably didn't think about what would happen after Lee's death, if what would go on or where the assets may go. Or she maybe she just, just didn't even think about it, didn't care, but maybe she would have liked to help out children who had the same type of problems that she did. But instead, she, she just left it to Lee outright. Well, Lee's wife, who she was close to, Marilyn Monroe was close to, uh, predeceased him. He, in fact, lived until the 1980s at some point. But before that, before he died, he married a young Venezuelan actress by the name of Anna Mizrahi, now Strasburg. I say now Strasburg because he married her and she's still living today. Wow. Now, the, the she's like 82 years old. Uh, and she was the one who really benefited because what ended up happening is after um, Lee died, well, everything went to his wife. And that was the young actress at that time, Anna. And then there was lots of different things that happened in between because this was a 40-year, that's right, 40 years 
to go through the probate process to settle the estate of Marilyn Monroe. Good. There was all sorts of lawsuits. There was a, a suit on the first with the first business, business manager uh, because she wanted to say that the will wasn't good, but the court eventually said that the will was good. There was that she had some personal property items that she wanted to, to take that were belonging. Uh, there was there's a lawsuit saying who owns that the estate or does the business manager own some of the personal belongings of Marilyn Monroe? Of course, we said the personal belongings uh, under the will said it goes to Lee, and so uh, and and then there was other people that contested different things on who owns different rights. So, for example, on the famous um, uh, photo of where she was in New York and where it was over the subway and her dress went up with the you know, with the subway underneath, uh, that the photographer said that, or his family after he died, said that they had the rights to the photo. And so there was a dispute over that. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, anyway, it took, and, and then more famously also, was the, the rights to the image. So this gets by state laws. And if you're in New York, if you're in California, whatever the residency makes a difference on the state law on who owns the rights of the images. Is that uh, something that's considered property or not? And so, in fact, Anna got the governor of California at that time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, to, uh, if I mispronounce his name, forgive me, Arno, you're famous. Yeah, right. <laughs> Got it where the, uh, you know, in California, as he was governor at that time, to get where the, it would be part of the estate so that the actors and actresses, that their families could benefit by their images and publicity, et cetera, their public figure status, uh, even after their death. Uh, but it varies by state to state. So that was another legal battle that was fought. And Anna got that done in California where it was retroactive so that there would be rights. Uh, although Marilyn Monroe died in New York, so it got into a, a different jurisdictional issue as well. So eventually, uh, Anna got the rights after successfully suing the former business manager that she got the rights to the uh, and became the executor or the administrator of the estate after the attorney was originally the executor uh, had died. Uh, Anna became the administrator of the estate. And so she hired uh, a company called CMG to deal with the imaging rights and the publicity rights and the selling the licensing rights and made millions and millions of dollars each. In fact, until I think it was around 2012 or 2010, I'm not sure the exact year, where she sold, they sold to another company uh, that was a branding type company, uh, the imaging and rights and the licensing uh, for $50 million. Mm. Remember, Marilyn Monroe may have never even met Anna. So here, the person who she, or if she did, she may have met her one time. It wasn't, do you think that Marilyn Monroe intended for Anna, somebody she met one time, to get the bulk of her estate? I don't think so. So what could she have done? She could have had a trust. So let's say she had the, the income rights, et cetera, uh, in the, and a trust for the benefit of Lee, and then upon Lee's death, instead of it going to whomever, even if he had, even if she liked the first wife, she said, or for Lee and his wife's life, and then upon their death, it goes to help out children who are needy that were had the same situation as her. 
or whatever organization she wanted that she might have had a preference as opposed to the $50 million or $20 million or $30 million or whatever the amount of millions it would have been going to somebody she never met or maybe only met once. And the same thing could happen for anybody. You know, a lot of times we have to ask in estate planning, do you want to protect your beneficiary uh, if, it's your, if it's your child, do you want to protect them uh, if they give everything to their spouse? Um, you may want things to go to your grandchildren. What happens if your child has credit or whoever your beneficiary has credit issues? Are you concerned about your spouse remarrying? Are you concerned about somebody being disabled? Are you concerned about, you know, marital issues of a child? Well, I mean, all those type of things have to be considered, and it's not one person has everybody's you know thoughts are different, and that's why everybody's will or trust is different. And so, just like for Marilyn Monroe, anybody else, even though our states may not be the size of Marilyn Monroe's, and even though um, it, it's up to the individual to determine what's important to them to protect them and their they not only themselves but their loved ones the way they want under the terms and conditions that they want and to make it as easy as possible for them i know you're right i know the audience knows you're right and they have to ensure that their assets are protected while they're alive and after they pass away to do that you need to attend michael's next workshop if you have not already it's online meaning it's virtual meaning it's video conferenced, meaning it's via Zoom, that new operative word that's gotten very popular in the last year since the pandemic started. And that's how you're able to attend a workshop from the comforts of your own home, but you're still able to realize and experience the entire workshop online and get uh, a great deal of information and education out of that. That next virtual workshop is Tuesday, May the 11th at 1 o'clock. And, Michael, tell everybody all about those successful workshops. Yeah, we just ask people what you want to know. And every workshop is different because the questions are different, uh, and you never know. I mean, I've never had anybody ask me about Marilyn Monroe or Charles Manson or what their estate planning was. Mm -hmm. But the the idea is we see what is it that's important to you. Is it something about uh, the proposed law changes uh, this year with the Biden administration? Is it going to be about – some sort of about retirement accounts and income or capital gains? Is it going to be about uh, trust versus wills or what's a power of attorney and what are the things that you could have in a power of attorney? Is it about Medicaid, protecting a loved one, for long-term care costs or veterans benefits? What are the rules regarding that? Is there something? Uh, you never know what's important to the individual, right. and every time it's different. So we ask people what they want to know. We might have a uh, small presentation, kind of giving the basics. And then um, uh, and you'll see that you'll learn from the questions of others as well as finding out the, you know, your own questions answered mm-hmm. in that two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop uh, or elder law essentials workshop. By all, and all you have to do to go to the free workshop, there's no obligation, is call 214 that's 214-720-0102, or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Excellent. And now we've got about uh, 10 minutes left, Michael, so I wanted you to talk about that Charles Manson story as well. Yeah, before I do, I just want to also add one final thing before sure. I forget. If you do go to the two-hour free, two free workshop, we also mm-hmm. give a free vision meeting. So if you right. don't get your questions answered, 
uh, we can meet in person or virtually again, uh, and it's also free. That way, you get three free hours, no obligation. If you don't do anything, that's fine. It's, at least you know what your options are. All right, now, Charles Manson. Uh, Charles Manson, you know, the notorious um, killer, uh, died a few years ago. Uh, he had one son. Now, the son, uh, it was uncertain if the son had any children. The mm-hmm. son's name was Charles Manson Jr. <laughs> but, of course, he, he changed his name after the notoriety that his dad had. Uh, and Jr., I'll to say, uh, was married to somebody in Ohio, in Ohio. Of course, Charles Manson was in California. Mm-hmm. Um, Junior, I'll say, then got divorced and moved to Texas. Uh, The person who he was married to in Ohio asked for child support for a child that there was no, you know, verification that it was Charles Manson's child. Hmm. In fact, his name wasn't even on the birth certificate. And he did not, it was not when they tried, you know, when you have a lawsuit, you're supposed to serve, like with citation. In other words, somebody has to give you notice that you've been sued. Well, there was never any proof that Junior got the service of citation. But the court in Ohio said, yeah, you own child, you have child support um, for this child in Ohio, even though Manson never went to a trial and maybe never even got notice. That son... Uh, Charles Manson Jr. said that he was, the fact, the grandson of uh, Charles Manson, and thus, kind of like the licensing rights that we talked about with Marilyn Monroe and all the imaging and, uh, you know, the different types of things that go on with that might be a part of an estate. Um, so he said that he was the rightful heir and that the will... Oh, Charles Manson had a handwritten will. He had a pen pal, a pen pal who was in the memorabilia business. Oh. And the pen pal said everything, the Manson's will said everything to him. Now, Charles Manson didn't have much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's in prison for, you know, life. Right. right. Uh, but he has, you know, this, you know, the, the images, the helter skelter, the all right. the different things that go along with that. Uh, and so I think that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times whether a person's famous or infamous, people want the rights to those different things. You you hear about these notorious people that might have something that people or wealthy people want to buy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And isn't it called and, intellectual well, property, I think? Yeah, well, it gets into, yeah, because it's a lot of different things. You know, it could be intellectual property, and then you got to go by the laws of the state, mm-hmm. you know, because there's the publicity rights and licensing mm-hmm. rights and you know, products bearing an image and right. things like that. So there's branding and a lot of whole, whole different. You know, um, you know. Usually on intellectual property, you think of let's say um, something like copyrights to songs or uh-huh. things like that. Okay. Uh, but so I don't know that that would be considered intellectual property. But at least it's, it has some sort of value. If people are willing to pay something, sure. it has some sort of value. So there's been this legal battle and the. Uh, the person, the memorabilia collector who had the handwritten will that said everything to him wanted to have a paternity test of the grandchild, saying, okay, let's see if you really are the grandchild that you say you are. 
But interestingly enough, the grandchild said, I don't want a paternity test. Now, usually if you want to prove that you're the, that you're the blood relative, but in this case, for some reason, he didn't want to do it. He wasn't mm-hmm. sure that he was really it, even <laughs> though his lawsuit said that he did. Well, okay. under California law, under family law, there is a, there is a way to get uh, if it was a child but it didn't say about a grandchild. Mm. And originally, the lower court said that there could be the paternity test, but on appeal just recently, and that's why it's back in the news, uh, and that's why we're talking about today, mm-hmm. because in the last couple of weeks, the appeals court said, no, California law did not give the right to uh, deal with the for a grandchild, and so therefore there cannot be a paternity test. So now they've had this... Mansa died a few years ago, mm-hmm. and so here this this again another probate estate that's gone on for several years. It's not the forty years that Marilyn Monroe's right. has gone on, but of course it's not been finalized yet either. So right. uh, it's been here, four years. That's pretty long. Four years versus forty, yeah. but still four is a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. It is, uh, and uh, but you know this again. What could have been done? I mean, who would think that Charles Manson had anything to begin with? Right. Uh, I guess, and who would just his name, like the intangible yeah. benefits you talked about last week, and how they're worth something. And if you don't delineate them and make it clear in your will or your estate plan, in general, it's going to come back to haunt you. And would you say that's the common denominator, morals or, or warnings of these two stories? Yeah, you have to think about first of all all your property. Mm-hmm. And it actually makes a difference of which jurisdiction uh, right. you're in. And so if somebody's going to be moving, then that may make a difference, too. A lot of times people have trust if they're going to be moving from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And then we have to think about what happens if something happens to the person that uh, you're giving something to. If you give it to them outright, what happens if that person dies? Uh, you have to think about uh, on the Manson case, uh, you just think, well, should I say that I – uh, intentionally omitted a any uh, do I have any blood relatives? Do I say my heirs? Is there have to you know what you know? A lot of times you have ultimate beneficiaries. If it, if my memorabilia uh, person uh, died, does it go to my heirs at law? I don't know that he had any heirs at law uh, right. at all. But uh, but still, you have to think about who's going to be an ultimate beneficiary. What do you want to have it uh, even go to a blood relatives? Or, or a lot of times people say, oh well. So-and-so, my, my son married somebody or didn't marry somebody and had a child with them, and do I want that grandchild that I've never met to be my beneficiary? If it says by heirs of law, it might be by blood. So there's a lot of different things that you have to think about, and a lot of people just don't think about them. That's all. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the thing the audience has to think about now is that next workshop, and to sign up for that immediately. The next one is this coming Tuesday, May the 11th at 1 o'clock. In order to sign up for that virtual online Zoom workshop, dial 214 720 214 720 or go to A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. 
The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free Estate Planning Essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.